start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I am your host, Gene Turnbow. Our other host, Susan Fox, is taking the night off. And with me are two of the top guys from Interdimensional Games, Inc., IDGI. And they have an exciting new project that they are here to talk to us about. Uh, with me are Gregory McMartin and Ryan Sheffer. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Hi. Awesome to be here. Thanks, Dean. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of excited to talk to you because you guys are working on something which we discussed, I guess, a year ago? Or was it a year and a half yes, ago? Yes, about a year and a half ago, I think. Yep. And yep. it's it's coming up on ready for release now, and it is uh, it is one of the most amazing experiences I have ever had in virtual reality. Wow, oh, that's yep. so cool to hear you say that, team. <laughs> like and Ryan and I both love hearing that kind of stuff. You right know, now. That's and good. <laughs> I've I've been I've been uh, playing with stuff. You know, new stuff comes out all the time for VR. And mostly first-person mm. shooters, unfortunately, mm. uh, as though that was the only kind of environment you could possibly make <laughs> in, in a, a, a VR experience. Indeed. Yay, first-person shooters. I suck at them. Uh, <laughs> but, but this is something completely different. Uh, this, this is based on the very popular game Consortium. Which you did, the first version of that was, what, four years ago now? No, it's ten years ago. Ten years ago. And tell yeah, us... Yeah, well, pretty much, pretty much. Just, just uh, basically nine years since we shipped, since we launched the original game in 2014, the uh -huh. PC flat screen game. Yeah. Yeah, that is... Uh, January 2014. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was a long road at that point. You know, we had, we had gone through hell and back. Ryan and I both were on the team, the core team that made that game possible. And it was hard. It was a hard, hard project. You we even, were fighting against the stream even then. We were fighting really hard against the current even then, right? And, and you, you we even, just kept doing it. <laughs> you even changed, uh, you changed game engines in the middle, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And you went from, yeah. uh, you, you went from uh, what was mm -hmm. it? The Source Engine. Yep. Yeah, source, source, engine. source Engine, and you moved over to... Um, Unreal. Unreal Engine, which I think yeah. was an ex of of the two possible choices, that was an excellent choice. Let's, uh, if you could please tell the audience exactly what Consortium VR is. I, I honestly, this is, this is not hubris to saying that. In trying to come up with telling people what it is, honestly, the best way to describe it is VR interactive cinema. Basically, imagine you are in a film, but rather than being forced to act out lines, you get to choose lines that you want to say. They appear above virtual people's heads in the world or characters or NPCs or whatever you want to call them. 
there's lines that appear above their head that you can decide to say at them. You simply say the line, it recognizes you said the line, you get an appropriate response. And the important thing here is that in a a regular desktop game, you would be clicking on the dialogue bar. That's not how this works, is it? No. No, in this way, it's literally you just use your voice to, to, to do dialogue. Like, you are in the world. Other characters are speaking to you. You get to respond like you're you. There's no more separation at all. All other games, all the AAA games, all most flash screen games, vast majority of them, there's, there's somebody else voicing the character that's supposed to be, quote-unquote, you, the one you're controlling, like a doll you can control. And then occasionally the options come up. But even the most AAA, the most AAA-est of all AAA games, they still use the exact old system of you're staring at other characters on the flat screen, there's options that come up, you get to choose those options, and then you see characters say those options out, and it's all played sort of in front of you. Uh-huh. This is, I think, the first game, really, where it's actually you in the story, literally. <laughs> I have, and the story will kind of adapt itself based on what your your style is. So if you're a pacifist, the story can actually be completed without any guns at all. But if you're more of a military bent guy and you kind of you're alpha male and you want to like piss people off, you can actually get into some combat situations and you know maybe die. Or if you're good enough, not die. I but yeah, it, it's remember very getting shoved out an airlock at one point. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It yeah. happens. It can happen in an airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, sh- I pissed somebody off, and I got shoved out an airlock. It's, it's, <laughs> it is possible to get have that happen in in uh, consortium. Yeah, we'll have to say that there's a part two to your answer to your question. So the first one is VR after cinema, but what is it actually like more <laughs> tangibly? Uh-huh. And, and I would basically say, well, it's a murder mystery on a plane in the future. And uh, uh, you get to go around the entire plane, and you get more and more access to the various parts of the plane as the story progresses. And there are various characters involved, each of which have their own agenda, and you have to interact with them and endear yourself to them to get them to do what you want them to do. As you play, you can see exactly how friendly they are towards you Mm -hmm. or how antagonistic they are, and their responses will modulate depending on that value. So, by your actions, you can very much steer the course of events. Yes. If you piss people off too much, they might not help you. Whereas if you're really, really friendly, you can get lots of friendly responses and lots of mm-hmm. smiles. Um, you know, one of the things we've done in VR in particular is really bring to life the, literally, the characters, bring them more to life. Because in VR, people see all the details. You see all the details. You can't miss anything. So we wanted to make sure that every character is acting all the time. That's sort of one of our our goals here is to make sure that there's never a time where you see an NPC just looking dead off in the space because they're just an NPC and they're not real. We wanted to try as much as possible to create that that really powerful sense of it's a, it's a living, breathing world and these are just people. They're not NPCs. They, they have, As you say, they have their own agendas, they have their own lives, they have their jobs, they're doing what they're doing and you're just in the mix and it's up to you to decide where to go from there. And you can literally, you don't have to talk to everybody, you could you can actually be a silent instead of mm-hmm. say nothing whenever you want to and then see what happens when you, you become the silent person as well. And that has an effect as well. And I yeah, I, yeah. I, I have tried this. I've tried the, the advanced copy of it. And it is absolutely the most immersive experience in VR that I have ever had. Wow. There are games that, you know, frankly, are much more advanced in terms of graphics than this game is. But... Gameplay counts for a lot, and you have something unique that even today nobody else has, and it's been years, and I can't yeah. figure out for the life of me why nobody else has done it. Is it that was it that hard to to figure out? You know what? I thought a lot about this. I mean, I'm like Ryan. You know, I can let Ryan. You want if you want to answer any time, Ryan, just jump in. But I have thought a lot about this, and I think it has to do with the way the the way the rest of the industry has gone. Money has become the ruling ruling roost. Corporate policies and 
corporate, uh, you know, quarters and, and investors and things like that have all taken front seat in what games get developed and how they get marketed and how they get commercialized. And that's basically meant that all the innovation has gone down the toilet or it's gone down to basically the point where only indies are able to innovate now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's up to them to, you know, to get their get their games out there and to find ways to get people to to be able to, you know, to realize that there's so much more potential going on with this entertainment that we all realize. I, I think that like the possibilities that exist with what we're sort of, I think I see consortium VR as we're putting a gauntlet down to the whole rest of the industry, not just the VR industry, but the entire game industry. And it's like, look, games can be way deeper, way more meaningful. They can make people think, they can make people question, they can people, you know, like actually use their brain so much more than the vast majority of commercial games do these days, they, where they want you to turn your brain off. <laughs> they want the exact opposite, you know, yeah. just, just be wowed by the graphics and, and be happy that you paid your $90 or whatever to be wowed by the graphics for 50 hours or 100 hours or whatever it is people do stare at the screens and just become completely just immersed in the purely on the visuals nonstop. It's like they're getting, you know, it's almost like getting like it's a bad drug for the brain, right? It's just so uh-huh. much graphics that are being assaulted at people these days. It's almost overwhelming, right? And you see the entire industry is having a hard time struggling with being able to make new story games because of this because they're all copying Hollywood because you know, all they know is flat screen. <laughs> you know, right, VR right. opens up a whole dimension. Like it really does, right? And so, uh, to me, there's like a whole, I think there's a, a whole new dawn forming. Yeah, there's 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 no more hiding stuff off the edge of the screen and not not having to to develop something because it'll never be seen. You know, yeah. all they have to do now yeah. is turn their head literally and look over their shoulder. Yeah, and there had better be something there. Yeah, Ryan, exactly. Ryan, do you and have also in addition to that? Ludo narrative dissonance doesn't exist in Consortium VR. If you know that, if you have the concept of Ludo narrative dissonance. You heard that term before? It's it's kind of a it's a bit of a hoity-toity game dev term. Maybe only it's in, what's, only what's the, the term again? Particular. Uh, what's it's ludo narrative dissonance? Oh, <laughs> I can explain what that is. Okay, it was coined by the game industry though. Yes, it was by the uh, Bioshock guy, right? Or the, okay, it was yeah. about it was about Bioshock, right? Okay, cool. Go, go ahead and explain it to everybody. What, what, what that means? Me? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You, you you would be better at it. I'm okay, sure, okay, okay. explaining okay. it, but it's a contradiction, right, between the gameplay and the story. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's exactly it's like like games like Uncharted, right? And you know, don't get me wrong, they're wildly entertaining experiences, right? Like I playing Uncharted in front of my family at a big T the whole time you just watch it, like, my God, this is like an awesome movie, right? And I'm sort of involved in controlling the camera and I'm involved in, you know, doing combat and whatnot. But other than that, the story takes over. It's nothing to do with the player, nothing to do with you. It's just movie time, right? Um, and that's where all the games are going. It's really sad. Like as as a game maker, as someone that grew up just eating, you know, buying and playing every game that exists, I really have been always been fascinated with the power of storytelling. But then seeing what direction it's going, it's like, God. Like a good example of a game that is literally, I've been saying this recently because I've played this recently with my family, it's a game called Mortal Kombat 11. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a good example of a game that's exactly the opposite, polar opposite to Consortium VR. And it has low ludo narrative dissonance to the max. And that's why I pick it up as an example to explain what that means. And what it means is this, is that it's when you have the action in the game explicitly going right against what the storyteller is telling you is actually going on, explicitly, right? So a good example is, uh, you know, having in, in Uncharted, where you have this person that's got this, this the main protagonist, supposedly he's, he's got heart, and he's a good man, he wants to protect the weak, and, but he'll occasionally go into these bouts where he'll just murder, go on a murdering spree. Murder you know, like hobos. Montana or something, yeah. right? Just murder, murder, murder. And then right back to the lovey dovey scene right after that, right? Like, oh, everything's, everything's just great, amazing, good job. Everybody congratulates this guy for murdering 25 people. Like, good job, well done, you know, amazing. It just doesn't work, right? It doesn't It doesn't have any, it, like, from a point of view of a film, it completely falls apart, right? It's, just, it's nonsense. But everybody's like, oh, it's just a video game, so who cares, right? But I, I just, I think lots of people do care. I think that's that's the problem here. Because the game industry has gotten so greedy, <laughs> it's gotten well, yeah, so it's, lost track know, of its, its soul it's completely. The, it's just, it, yeah, like, it's the ha ha ha. All your base are belong to us, and they released that. You know, this is 1990. I, 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 I remember that. I, yeah. I can't remember. 
I, it was a cave dog. I remember that very well. All yeah. of your base are belong to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You were in the game industry at that point, weren't you, James? I was. You, you I, were, was writing, yes. I was writing games back then, uh, mm-hmm. around 1994, 95, uh, when that little gem came out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, what the actual b- What the actual b- are they doing? They released this and nobody bothered to check the English? And they released it to an English market? What the b- I just yeah, that's, a, that's an early example of corporations going to corporate, right? Where they just at some point, yeah, they potato, just don't, they just potatoes going to potato. So, uh, Ryan, can you comment on what it's like to build a story that's so complex for every one of these characters to be participating in it and and have the appearance of actual lives? Oh, I wish uh, Steve was here to talk about the actual story part of it. But uh, in regards to actually bringing that uh, the story to life in the characters, uh, it requires a great, great deal of uh, technology around uh, choreographed stuff. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, the Source Engine brought to us mm-hmm. back in the day. It's the reason we originally used it. Uh, the only reason we shifted away from it was because of the inability uh, to continue using it, basically, as a, as a technology source, because it wasn't being properly maintained, but Unreal Engine was. So one of the biggest things that we had to incorporate into Consortium VR was the choreograph system that was missing. And so mm-hmm. that had to be built from scratch, basically. Ooh, yes. ugly, ugly times. Not, yeah. not fun. Well, oh, wow. it, was, it, it was actually fun to build. Fun to write. <laughs> well, yeah. So, <laughs> but, but it is time-consuming. So um, did you have to write this from the uh, quaternions at each joint uh, level, or was it yes. at least giving you that much help? Uh, yes. So, in regards to the uh, transformations of the uh, the phone, so basically applying a number of gesture animations mm-hmm. uh, to the skeleton, blending it onto the current skeleton in a meaningful way. Uh, and there can be many different animations being blended at once, like uh, an arm moving up and then having a little hand flick at the end or something like that. Uh, this is something that was originally in the Source Engine and I had to build into uh-huh. Unreal. I think since then, since since you had to do that, I believe Unreal Engine has stepped up to the plate and those tools are in there now. They're available, yes, but not in, in, a, in a way that allows you to blend many animations at once mm-hmm. onto a character dynamically, right? Sorry. Yeah, basically uh, for the listener, you're, an animation is built the same way you build a, a, a hit song. You have multi-track audio. Well, this is multi-track animation. Every mm-hmm. body part gets some some aspect of it, and there's blending from one track to another. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and then what what the system gives the the changes that I had to make to make this happen. It's not so much just a purely baked animation like most video games will do. Uh-huh. It is more like it allows Greg, for example, to go into Sequencer, the tool that is used in Unreal to as you said, multi-track sequence, many different mm-hmm. things, like not just animation, but audio, changing materials, stuff like that. But it allows them to just kind of drag and drop these gestures right onto the character and blend the amount of influence that animation will have at any one time on that track um, and just keep dragging them in or removing them or reducing the amount of influence they have. Uh, and that just magically gets blended right onto the overall animation of the character at that time. 
It's, which is a great tool. It's really easy to use from a designer standpoint or an artist standpoint. It is. It's and one of the things and that that's uh, one of the amazing things uh, about what you're doing because up until this point, you could do all those things in animation tools, but it was baked in. Uh, you could yes. you could do it in Maya or Blender or whatever it is you're using, but at the end of the day, you're baking that animation in. Yep. To, uh, for that scene to play, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's rigid. So what mm-hmm. you you guys had to do is you had to individually hand animate all of the fragments. It's a very atomic approach to mm-hmm. character animation, and it's it takes the mm-hmm. takes the paradigm and turns it on its head in terms of mm-hmm. how you produce stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! The way you put it, atomic at atomic level. Yeah, that's right. They're extremely, yeah, like extremely all the granular. pieces that could possibly be done by the player. They're all there and all animated, so it can happen in any order in any way, and it just works because for the player, right? Because that's just what they're doing. It's, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to as you say, everything's baked and it's all carefully prepared like a film, right? It's like you, know, yeah, you watch well, this, you uh, know, in Maya, it's here, can... it ends there, and everything else is whoever the movie maker. Does, yeah, well, in, camera, in Maya and Blender, for example, you can have uh, multiple animations and blend from one animation track to another. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and to produce right. the finished animation, and you yeah. can weight each track to give it, you know, like a character is walking, and you want a little more bounce. You can make it make yeah. the character bounce, yeah. or you want to wave the hands some more, uh, or wave yeah, the arms some more when you're walking. Absolutely. You can and, do and that, as you're saying. All the all the major tools can do this stuff. You have the the best game showcasing the best anim- animators, like the the Uncharted, the whole not all of the Naughty mm-hmm. Dog games, right? The best of the business in terms of animated. But as you say, it's all just can. It's all baked. There's nothing right, right, dynamic exactly. about it at all. So it because, doesn't work at all in VR. That because, whole approach just falls apart in VR. Yeah, yeah, because up to up to this point, that's how it's always been done. It, it, it yeah. as as a uh, uh, side note. I used to teach animation at a motion picture studio, mm. so wow. that's how I know cool. this this particular yes. aspect of it. So interesting, yeah, yeah cool. So it's really um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. No, seriously, it is. This is this is all. This is all versions of us just sort of getting affirmation that we're on the right track here, right? Um, yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. well, it's part of why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, the, the dynamic approach is really quite. This is a whole other layer too uh, that that we haven't mentioned, which is the what we call conversation limbo. Mm. And and what conversation limbo is? It's a period where when there's nothing happening in the interactive screenplay it's like it's a pause moment it's where someone has asked you a question you have responses and now you're 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 reading the responses and figuring out what to say back to that person that's conversation limbo uh-huh. and this this system uh, comes online whenever there's a, a lull in a conversation in the game so you go up and talk to an npc they say something something to you and then there are choices that appear above their head and then that, that's a period where you're now you're pondering what to say back to the npc right that period of time is conversation limbo Mm, so we've uh-huh. been working quite a bit to make sure that the com- that the person you're talking to in that moment is actually animating is 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 giving you a bit of an ex- is looking into your eyes occasionally and, and it also will reference their 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 alignment occasionally so uh-huh. you'll get grimaces if they don't like you or they'll smile if they like you in that period so you can sort of sense you know how they're you don't even have to look at the numbers to get a sense of whether they like you or dislike you or whether they're starting to like you or dislike you you can just look at their face face itself you can read their body you can read, their, read faces. their faces and body language yeah. and get it exactly from that. read their body language exactly and that's something we've been trying to put in too is like putting more narrative layers into the game itself by actually so if you really look closely at all the performances of each of the, of the characters in the world they actually might give you more narrative layers they might react to things being said in a way that makes them look suspicious or makes you think oh is that person person's reacting strangely to what that person said that might be something to that <laughs> and it might <laughs> just like we're actually building in some hints here and there for first-time players especially as to what might be really going on behind the scenes oh it's, it's just yeah 
it's a really exciting project. <laughs> it's really, really fun to work on because it's all still so new and fresh. It, it just, um, it just makes your brain fizz thinking about it, you know, and the potential <laughs> for this. And, uh, yes. it, it's also, and I, I, I hate to say this, but it's also going to be a major barrier to entry for anybody else, uh, who wants to come into this space. You know, it's mm. it's it's going to be hard to kick off that renaissance if you're the only ones who can do it. <laughs> we really want people to do it. Yeah. You know, we we don't want to be the corporate overlords that like, ah, we're the only ones that can do it. You know, screw everybody. No, we want the exact opposite. We really want the whole industry to, to do stuff like this, to copy us. Go ahead, copy. Do your own thing, uh-huh. right? Because as you say, there's so many possibilities. I mean, I can envision genres where there's like comedy genres or there's even like sitcoms 80 sitcoms you know experiences you're like boom you're inside growing pains and you, it's like you're uh-huh. inside the Seaver's house and you're talking to all of them it's like you're back in time and you can actually literally talk to these people or you know like, those, those in the mix you'll just get nuts Let's or those murder so mystery events you know that it, yeah, you, you, yeah you go to with your yeah. your your significant other and you pay 120 dollars a person and, <laughs> and you solve yeah. the mystery it's cool really cool your, your animation background is really really cool that that the atomic, the way you describe what we're doing with the atomic approach is, is really cool because that's exactly right. You're really dead on there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's well, thank you. Uh, it's uh, yeah. it, it sounds to me like uh, you almost need uh, you need to be evangelists for this. Essentially, you're breaking in a new art form. This is new. Oh, this is something wow. that nobody's yeah. done before. Yeah, I mean, literally nobody has done this. The 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 potential of virtual reality for immersive storytelling is yes. is fantastic. But being able to make the make you the protagonist in the story that up to now has been impossible, except for you guys. <laughs> well, it's funny because you said earlier, like we had we this game we did make we shipped in twenty fourteen, right? People could have looked at what we did and copied it. But I remember saying at the time, too, I actually, all of us at EGI at the time were discussing, Ryan, actually, it's online somewhere, we have a video, where Ryan actually was asked, because this is the early days of VR, and we're like, what would it take to get consorting working in VR? And Ryan was like, well, let's see, and he started, started pontificating about that, this is a long time ago. Um, but, you know, like, it's like the game itself is still the same content, it's, just, it's the same voice acting, right? It's, and a lot of this, it's ba- all of the choreography is based on the original choreography. Um, even the, the, the systems and the interfaces are is all, all also the same. It's just all perfectly adapted into VR. So it makes uh-huh. it very seamless now for you. You don't have to learn 25 keyboard commands and press buttons. Right, and, right. You know, okay, and that's been the problem with not all of them, but most of the adventure games in VR, uh, I mm-hmm. think very, very few have interfaces that aren't just bewilderingly confusing. Like uh, mm-hmm. I had been playing, I, I put hundreds of hours into... Uh, Hello Games, No Man's Sky, or no, oh, yeah. or No Mansky, as we call it, <laughs> uh, and it's great until you run out of story, and then after that, every new story just feels like a tack on. There's no, there's no new dynamic going on. It's, it's just uh, retreads of the same hunt for the rare thing, use it to make right. make the rare technology, get the amazing ship. Lather, rinse, yeah, you know, repeat. video games have this a real love for hunt quests, don't they? Like <laughs> the brand new games, all of they all have. Go get me this. Go get me that. I need this badly. It'll save me. Go get this. You know, like everyone, they all. You know. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it, uh, it's stuck in a group. It's, really, is. Yeah, the, the whole industry. They've is just sent stuck, you right? out shopping, and you're to come back with the milk and yeah. the eggs and the bread, and then you can make your, you know, then you yeah. can make your cherry pie. Oh, and you need the cherries. 
Oh, except there's a cherry shortage. You know what? The, after yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah. The experience is fun, but only to a point. And then after a while, you need to change things. Like oh, like the game, uh, the Untitled Goose Game. Have you seen that? I have heard of that game. Yeah, Where it's it's yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's cheap and uh, and it's fun. And the idea is to be a goose and be as disruptive to the community as you possibly can. <laughs> And get into all sorts of trouble, and you have to be creative about how you get into trouble. Uh, there's a goat simulator. The <laughs> yeah, goat simulator came first, I think. I think yeah, the goat simulator came, came, came first. Yeah, so it started a whole new genre: comedy, slick, crazy games. <laughs> yeah, comedy. And games, uh, it really sort of dismantles the go to the place and get the thing, and go to the next place and get the thing, and you know right. the whole uh, shopping quest, grinding yeah, quest aspect. And once you've done that for about 200 hours, you're done. Yeah, in all forms of it, too. You see that in any game, too. That's the problem with the corporatization of our industry in the last 20 years, is that it's, that it's got companies just stuck in business boxes. They can't get out. It's like they're trapped because of the business. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm hoping that we can help find a light, shine a light on where how we can get out of that box and just have a whole new, as you say, a whole new realm of entertainment, right? Like truly immersive holodeck style VR adventures that just go everywhere and anywhere. Right. So, um, so like you, I have, I have a, I have a dream game. Do you want to hear about my dream game? Gene? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a dream. It's, it, it's a, it's a dream game. That's right down by the kid of me. And I, I know Ryan would be into making this too. Basically imagine creating the USS enterprise galaxy class one CC one seven Oh one D with the entire crew. And it's and basically you're, you're a new newly signed up officer, but you've been assigned to the enterprise and you've been signed to the bridge as an ensign, on the, on the helm or whatever it, all in VR fully realized you can talk to every character basically you're on the Enterprise and you're given tasks and you go and you, and you can go off to the holodeck you want to and play games and do other stuff when you're not on duty but otherwise you're on duty and you spend doing actually playing out a, a Starfleet officer 100% and the whole Enterprise is all fully realized with all the characters and you have basically bring, you almost bring back Star Trek but have it be a completely v, a VR uh, you know episodic entertainment experience that basically your choices have an effect on the story and at the end of every episode you basically when you start the next episode it ports in all your choices your personal choices from the previous episode and your story is now fully customized for you and every fan every Trek fan that plays that episode will have a totally different perspective of what's going on because they'll have their choices you'll have your choices and that'll just light boards of fire right because you'll have bajillions of different things people talking about what's really going on what's happening because you can have all this nuance where every where based on what you do, you uh-huh. hear different things, different characters, et cetera, et cetera, right? You can see where that could go, just be amazing, right? Like how mind-blowing would that be? <laughs> to yep. be able to literally look and be sit, you'd be able to go to Picard's ready room and sit down and have him literally lecture to you, <laughs> to you directly, <laughs> to be lectured by Picard. <laughs> that would be an amazing experience. I think every Trekkie that ever lived would sign up for that in a hot minute. Exactly. Because that's what they, right? why do we watch the shows? That's why we watch right. the shows. We watch totally. the shows to get that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you know, except vicariously with other characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that would be there. Yourself. That would be amazing. Oh like, uh, yeah. There was a uh, yeah. a simulation of the 1701D that yes. was done in VR, and and Paramount had them take it down. Uh, yeah, bits and pieces of the ship. I don't think the entire thing per se. Listen, was it the entire thing to scale? Uh yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, there were there were a lot of doors you couldn't go in. Okay, you know, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like right. you couldn't go into every single cruise quarter. 
yeah, okay, uh, yeah crewman's okay. quarter. But, but, you, but, but, but you say that they, but they actually had the, the, it was to scale and you could, you yeah. could go to the bridge and go all the way to 10 forward and go all the way down to the, to the engine room. Okay, Engineering yeah, cool. cool. and go down to the, go down to the yeah. shuttle bay. I mean, yeah, it's possible the, to do that right now. It's absolutely possible to yeah. model these things. But it's another thing altogether to bring the crew to life and have you be inside, you know, a, that's a story, the, inside the story. That's so, the tricky bit. And that's, yeah. uh, that I think is probably one of the biggest barriers to working in this new medium is that it's not like a regular movie script uh, because writing for games mm. is it's not like writing like two or three threads that weave back and forth it's more like writing a oh how do i explain this there's another bugger chase where Steve could jump in and give you t- tons of analogies because he's he's our writing master 100. He, he's it's, it's, he's the one that's he's the one that's able to describe in this space well beyond what even Ryan and I can comprehend. Have, have you preserve. have you ever seen those videos on YouTube <laughs> where they pour hot molten aluminum into a uh, a fire ant nest and then dig the whole thing up and hose it all off and you and turn it upside down and you have this. A amazing metal sculpture with nodules and, and tendrils running in all directions, connecting it all together. Writing for games is like that. That's what it looks like. It's not like two or three major chords uh, woven back and forth and maybe you paint one chord a different color or something. Yeah. Writing in this format is infinitely harder. And It and, can be. Yeah, it can be. It, it depends how you look at it. Like I think, but no, specifically the screenplay thing you bring up is really good to bring up because we actually inter, you know, we've we basically invented an interactive screenplay system. Um, so because our, our games are still authored, right? It's not like there's randomness going on or there's right, like right, AI exactly. making up lines or things mm-hmm. like that. It is all authored, yeah. So basically, you just work within our tool, and you have to think. I think there's a way to think about it so that a writer, rather than making when you're making a writing a book or making a film, you have control over every single nuance. In this case, you just have to give up some part of the control. That's really the key to being able to think in this space creatively as a writer, I think, is you have to completely give up that control over what it is being seen, right? What's being seen is whatever the player looks at. So get get that out of your head. <laughs> just not, you know, you're not, you're not uh-huh. writing a screenplay like camera pans in and sees shows this. Like, no, 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 get that. You're not writing that anymore. You know, none of that's gone. But instead, you create context, right? You say player arrives at the, the town and all the townspeople are looking at you, look at the player very strangely. And, you know, the situation is there's eight characters around and, and, then, and then it goes into like, okay, here are all the eight characters you can talk to and this dialogue written for all of them. And that's it. That's an example of a first scene. You arrive in a village, there's people around you. Okay, what do you do? Uh, talk to that person. Okay. And that person starts talking and then it makes a connection that you remembers that you talk to that person. Then somebody else is interested because you talk to that person. So that somebody else comes over and taps you in the shoulder and says, you talk to that person. You should come talk to me. You shouldn't trust that person. Don't trust that person. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then, and then so on. It's so whatever the inter- interactive screenplay says. So the other screenplay is God in our paradigm, just like a uh-huh. screenplay is God. It should be anyways for movie productions, right? Everything comes from come back to the screenplay because everything, everybody's referencing that as the point that is the vision. And that's the piece of entertainment that is being, you know, transcribed to the screen and brought to life with all the actors and the CG and everything. Right. It's the same thing with an interactive screenplay. You know, it's you, it's it's the core essence. So that so you can really define the, by defining the context and then defining the characters and what they say and what they're doing and what they're trying to do. Then the player is just sort of tossed in the middle of that. And then it's your job as an interactive screenplay writer to figure out what do you want the player to be able to talk to these people about. <laughs> what right, are the right. options you're giving the player to be able to say? And then what do you have the people say in return? So it's sort of that's really the mindset you want to be in, and that alone, hundred percent, right? And then that's where you, I think you can be successful. When I was a game developer, uh, we and we were making the shift from 
linear programming to object-oriented programming, uh, the big challenge was to think of the various game elements that we were coding for in terms of collections of behaviors and capabilities and properties. And each one of these, basically, you're, set, you're building a little robot that knows how to do certain things and behaves in certain ways and responds to stimuli in certain ways uh, that are relevant to the environment and relevant to the story that you're trying to build. But once you throw the switch and the world comes alive, every one of these little critters is off doing their own thing for their own reasons and, and uh, under their own motivation. So it's uh, it's yeah. it's quite the balancing act. Yes, I mean it's it's a really uh, it's it is a balancing act. It's like there's a bunch of things held up at once, and we're always we're always aware of where the player is and what they're doing and where they are in the story, um, and that, so, so it's a very controlled environment, right? That, that's the benefit of having a single player world is that you all it's all you need to worry about is that one player, as opposed to a networked environment where you got to worry about all the players. You got to worry right, about yeah. the concurrent state of that world for all players, and that's a whole set of problems we don't just don't have to worry about at all. Consortium VR. Well, and, just and one of the other advantages is, you know, 13 men in a submarine sort of uh, uh, plot situation. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you can't the leave the ship. Yeah. You, uh, uh, there aren't yeah. going to be more people coming in. The number of stimuli and situations are going to be limited to whatever you find on the ship. And it reduces the, the scripting problem to something that you can reasonably control. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially modern engines, right? I mean, the the, the, the Unreal Engine is just insanely powerful. Blue, the Blueprint is an incredible tool to be able to to at a high level script whatever you want for story, right? Um, the Tower I mean, yeah. is actually very similar, it is. which is the sequel to this as well. Uh-huh. I mean, we do uh-huh. constrain the player, but to a much larger scene in this in that case, right? Yeah, no, it's, it is. But it, you're right; it's conceptually identical, and yet yet it plays so differently because the context and the setting is different, right? It's just it's it's a, there's, a, there's a prism which you need to look through how how our stuff works and how our paradigm works, and once you can see clearly through it, you realize there's like that millions of games in front of us, millions of unbelievable experiences in front of us, and all the games we played so far are trash in comparison. I'm sorry, but they are. <laughs> they're just trash. They're uh-huh. they're worthless. <laughs> like it's we're basically. I, I think there's a chance that eventually it's, we're heading towards making lots of types of games obsolete forever. It's like how, you know, certain things just aren't done anymore. Like what happened to the Telegram, right? Or or, 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 or silent films. <laughs> I, I shit you not. Sorry. I said or, that. Or MySpace. Or MySpace. It's like the, yeah. the, when, when talkies came around, right, the, the, the entire industry was like, what the hell is this garbage? Talking? What are you talking about? No, the films are this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the title that, you know, that <laughs> It took a few years until that changed, right, until the tune shifted. In the, in the business, right? You know, I well, think it's, no it's like it's it's yeah, like it's so uh, easy to get immersed now. In know, nine, in the uh, I think it was nineteen, wow, nineteen twenty, nineteen nineteen. There was a, a film called In the Garden or In the Green Garden, one of those two things, okay. and mm-hmm. it was all it was silent, and they did not release very many prints of this because. The big deal about this film was that it had color in it. Mm-hmm. And the color was achieved by hand painting the garden scenes with green tint frame by freaking frame. Wow. And that was considered disruptive. <laughs> and, and, and I think yeah. I think what you're doing is maybe I don't mean to diminish what you're doing, but I think that in terms of the development of the art and science of virtual reality storytelling, I think you might be at that moment where people are realizing, holy cow, 
it's possible to do something else. And I was, I had this big rambling statement I was going to make, but uh, it's, uh, well, I, I just want to just, just quickly uh, to support what you just said, which is basically say that, look, I'm not saying the consortium VR is the BLN on all games are trash compared to it. Like not at all. Right. Not even close. What I'm trying to say, though, is I think there's a watershed moment hidden there in terms of what we're saying is possible, like what you said. Or basically, it is a gauntlet being thrown down and saying, this is now possible. Even if even if you know, you're know you desperate, that makes sure that you, if you, it's not the graphics are off the charts, that so you're not interested whatsoever. Just put that aside for a second. Just understand the, the paradigm we're presenting here to the world, because that's the thing we're most passionate about. The paradigm itself, how you can look at the production from a standpoint that fully embraces the player's freedom inside VR to look at what they want to look at, go where they want to go, talk or don't talk, doesn't matter. The story just keeps moving forward, and, and and if you if you if you don't do something that the story wants you to do, there's ways to to correct the player, just like there is in current video games, right? Mm-hmm. The cheap ways are like you know uh, mission, uh, mission failed, you went off the mission area, too bad, and it restarts, right? The funny thing is, we have that too, but it's a game inside the game. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the virtual trainer? Uh, yeah, the, I remember the that. Gave you didn't have the virtual trainer, but the original consortium had the virtual trainer. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so we've, we've basically done a lot of work on that since you played Consortium VR. We've basically redone Virtual Trader in, in, in VR. And there's lots more variety of gameplay and such in there. But there is the concept of if you don't do what you're told to, you basically despawn completely and go back and the whole thing, the whole scenario restarts in front of you. That's <laughs> like, 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 like typical video games, right? Because uh-huh. it is a video game because it's a training scenario for Consortium Bishop. So if you look at it through the prism, what it is, it's basically an arcade machine, but the context of what it is, no, it's a, it's a serious training device, like a simulator yeah, for like, training consortium bishops, right? So dragons, it has that interesting duality of also being yeah. basically an arcade machine for, for uh-huh. VR players right now. Just yeah, like Dragon's Lair, you know? you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon's Lair, oh my God, Dragon's Lair. Oh, oh yeah. that game. <laughs> I remember oh, laughing yeah, at that Don, game so Don Bluth Animation Studios. I know people who worked on it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's an infamous game. That, yeah. Everybody remembers Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Everybody knows Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me on this episode of The Event Horizon. This is fantastic technology. For the listeners, where can they go to experience this? And what you've got, it's already on Steam. And no, it's not, it's not out yet. Oh, it's it, not it's, out yet. Not out yet. But, but it is coming out on uh, Oculus Quest this February 21st. Just awesome. a couple weeks. Uh, with the beta, we're coming in. It's not completely finished. We're entering into the, using the app lab as a beta, but the whole story is in place. The whole we actually have a whole level editor. You can build your own levels. You can upload them. There's built-in mod systems plus the entire campaign. I mean, it's really it's. I think we think it's a lot of value. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So so Oculus Quest twenty four uh, the twenty first, and then Steam mid year or so, sometime uh, middle okay. of the year. Okay. Okay. So wow. Steam VR. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's going to be fantastic because. So, the level of graphics that you have, like we were saying earlier, that it's not the graphics that make the game fantastic, it's the interaction. And, you know, the graphics are good enough to tell the story, but they're not so overdone that they're distracting. Uh, the other good aspect to that is they will fit in an Oculus Quest. Yes. That's really key. Yeah. That's really key. <laughs> Yeah, and, and not, yeah, every, not every game will. because of Mr. Ryan Shepard here. It's only because of his, his wizardry that's possible, I have to say. Officially, <laughs> yeah, it was quite a bit of work. Still, even with the graphical fidelity that we were pushing, it was still quite a bit of work. And our our world also animates completely. Uh, that was the thing that was pretty tricky to pull off on the quest. Having so many animating props. Yeah, lots of dynamic the screens all having uh, texture yeah. animation on them and stuff like that. Yeah, and all the characters as well with their faces, their lip syncing, and their expressions and everything like that, and the gesture system I described before. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's a place. It's a setting. It, that's yeah. the best way to look at it. It's not a video game level. It's a setting. It's a place. You go there, you experience a story. Well, my, you you my son and my wife, <laughs> both of whom have their own quests. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, awesome. They are, yeah. Uh, I know at least my son is looking forward to this. And yes. uh, I think my wife is too, because she's looking for interesting experiences that, that aren't shooters. It's like, oh yes. my God, save me from the next uh, high speed first person shooter. It's just right. not. Yeah. I, I completely I agree. I, <laughs> the, the market has all of those it can carry. And, it's right. and this is something new and unique. Thank you, Eugene. Yes, we're very excited about it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Ryan Sheffer and Gregory McMartin from IDGI, Interdimensional Games Incorporated, the creators of Consortium VR, which is coming out on the Oculus Quest February, what is it? 21st. 21st. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Event Horizon here on Sci-Fi.Radio. Thanks for having me. It's been great. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Gene. That was wonderful. <laughs> and your words are, they, they're really, they really, really mean a lot to us. It's really cool to hear your, your perspective on our, our work. Uh, it really means a lot. It's really cool. <laughs> and I mean, thanks for the opportunity. I, I hope your listeners, you know, I hope some of them really dig it. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will. I really think they will. <laughs> cool. You have been listening to episode 254 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for February 18th, 2023, with your host, Gene Turnbow. Susan Fox had the night off this evening. Our guests have been Gregory McDonald and Ryan Sheffer of IDGI, Interdimensional Games Incorporated, the creators of Consortium VR. This episode will air again tomorrow, February 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and donate 5 or $10 a month to help keep the station on the air. It may not seem like a lot, but if everybody does it together, we can accomplish great things. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schermeister. The engineer was Christine B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2023 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>